Well, good morning, Erie First Assembly of God. God is so good. I love when we can come together as a church family, worship, and just give his spirit room to operate. This morning, we are going to continue to allow his spirit to move as we continue in on our sermon series, Unfiltered Snapshots from the Word of God. We're engaging over these next several weeks with these snapshots that tie directly to our core value of being anchored in God's Word, our core value of anchored teaching. And over these next several weeks, we're going to continue to look at snapshots, pictures, of you, if you will, that take us all the way from the, the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and paint for us through these pictures significant components or snapshots of God's word and the truth that it communicates to us in the area of not only his original plan for us as human beings in the fall, as we talked about last week, but also his plan of restoration, his plan of forgiveness, his plan of operation, his plan to give us hope and a future. Last week, Pastor Nicole talked about the church the individual people that come together that make up the church. And God's original intent for humanity was of such that we were created to reflect God's image. And the enemy of our soul, Satan, he didn't like the image that he was seeing across the scope of humanity and God's plan put into motion. And so the enemy comes and he introduces uh, this temptation to Adam and to Eve. And as a result, they fall. And as a result of that, we say that the mirror that reflects God's image was cracked. This morning, we're going to continue in this series as we look at two additional snapshots that directly impact us here today. They're snapshots that will give us freedom, hope, purpose, and blessings. And let's make no mistake about it. This freedom, this hope, this purpose, these blessings can be ours today if one of Pastor Jim's favorite two-letter words that you'll become accustomed to is that word, if. If we are willing to embrace what God's word speaks to us, and if we are willing to engage what the Holy Spirit is doing within our lives. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what God's spirit has for us today. And if you would like, join me in a word of prayer as we commit this, the rest of this service to God's glory. So Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I commit this teaching, this preaching time to you. Lord, I pray that you would guide both my heart and my lips as I, I bring your word. I thank you for the move of your Holy Spirit already that has prepared us, that has conditioned us during this time of worship. Lord, our souls are prepared. The ground, I believe, is fertile. Now we just ask that you would allow the word to be planted deep within us so that we can work in alignment, move in alignment with what your spirit wants to do today. Lord, may people not see a person up here, but may they hear your mighty, powerful word. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, uh, my wife, Julie, and then our children, Jordan, Madison, and Elijah, had the privilege of heading out of the country to spend some time on a work-related slash business trip vacation. As we were over in uh, this particular country, the country of Italy, and Silvio Scavella, I know is going to applaud real heavily on that, but as we were in the country of Italy, uh, we had spent a number of days there. We were uh, at one point in time in one of the central regions of Italy, and we were in, this, in the midst of this town called Bologna. Now, if you were to look at it on paper, you'd say, hey, that looks like Bologna. What is that? Bologna, Italy. It's the central uh, jurisdiction there. And so we spent some time in this particular city, and one time the kids were just at a point where they had had enough of Italian food. <gasps> and they wanted some good old American healthy McDonald's. And so Julie and I said, okay, you know, you guys got to experience the country, the culture, but we'll let you experience a little bit of stuff from back home. And so we found a McDonald's nearby. And we go to this, this place. It's a, it's a train station in a community of Bologna. It's called Bologna Centrale. And we went to Bologna Centrale, and we were getting ready to buy the tickets for the next day's events. And so we were buying our train tickets, and then we went from that particular spot where we could get our tickets and went over to the McDonald's to load our kids up with that healthy American food. We placed our order, and they begin bringing it out, and Julie says to me, do you have your card? And I said, no, you have the card. No, I don't. Do you have the card? Husbands and wives in the room, you know exactly what's going on here, Right? And so immediately, this panic comes over Julie and I. Neither one of us had the card. And so this McDonald's attendant is full-blown Italian, speaking in Italian, and I can't tell her I've lost my card. I can't tell her that she's got to put all the food back and do something with it. I have no money, but more importantly, I don't have money for the rest of the trip because that card had the, the bulk of what we were going to be spending over the remaining days that we were in this country. And immediately, we're in this train station slash McDonald's attached restaurant, and there's this, this, this unbelievable hopelessness that falls across us. Where do we go? There's homeless people all around. There's hundreds of people in this particular train station, and our card has been lost in the middle of that. We looked at each other, and we began to panic, looking around, seeing what can we do, what can we find, where, where, who can we talk to. It was after hours. There were no policemen available. And then all of a sudden, God's mercy was shown to us as this stranger walks up out of hundreds of people into the midst of two people who have not yet cried out for help verbally and says, are you looking for something? And hands us our card. God is good. In the midst of our desperation, he saw our need, and he provided a way out for us. In the Old Testament, there was a group of people known as the Israelites who were in worse condition than Pastor Jim and Julie were that day. There were a group of people 
known as the Hebrews, that needed to be bailed out. If you look at the book of Exodus, you you would recognize and you would see rather quickly that this was a nation that was under cruel bondage, spending 430 years in a country that was not their own. These were a people that God had intended from the very beginning that he wanted to bring Jesus Christ through and that he wanted to save the nations through. And the enemy, I believe, absolutely knew that. And so he, the enemy through the, the country of Egypt and the Egyptian pharaohs are seeing these Israelites that are just blossoming under God's favor. And as a result, Egypt and the pharaoh devise a plan to control what they are seeing in the Israelites. What was that plan? It was a plan of enslavement. It was a plan of hard labor. It was a plan of population control through the murder of newborn babies. And as a result, the Hebrews, what we call the nation of Israel, had found themselves in desperate times. So desperate, so desperate that their cries reached out to heaven. Hear these words from the scriptures, Exodus 1, verse 11 through 13. They, being the Egyptians, appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. The Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They were ruthless in all their demands. Sound like anyone's workplace? Don't raise your hand. In short, The Israelites needed a bailout. They needed to be rescued. They needed a savior. People just like you and I, made in the image of God, yet treated so disgracefully. As I said, God heard their cries. And in Exodus chapter 3, God speaks, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to give them a land of their own filled with my blessings. And i got to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is giving me pause. There is a theme that he is running through this church today. And that theme that is running through today is a theme of rescue. You may think that, man, I am a person without value. Everybody in life has just treated me like a slave or even worse. Life has become so crushing on me that I can't even begin to understand my purpose. If you are in this room today, I've got to tell you, this word is specific to you. And today is a day for your rescue. God wants to give you hope. God wants to remove you from your situation and put your eyes directly on him so that you can be free in him. And God wants to give you blessings and purpose in a territory that you can call your own. The Egyptians, cruel and merciless on the Israelites, For 430 years as I've spoken, 
under that crushing persecution. And then all of a sudden, one day, God says, I'm going to rescue them. And it's here that we are introduced to our third unfiltered snapshot. It's the image of a lamb. Now, I know what you're thinking. A lamb? So when we think of a lamb outside of the church aspect, what are we normally thinking of, right? It's, it's cute. It's fuzzy. It goes, meh, you know, type of a thing. All oh, those cute little things, right? But when it comes to the scriptures, God uses the lamb as a sign and a symbol of innocence. As God was about to rescue the Hebrews and to launch this nation of Israel into their purpose, into their hope, into their fulfillment, into their relationship with God. God recognized that he needed to give them a symbol of which they could remember the significance of their deliverance. And so what does he do? The night before God releases them from captivity, he says to Moses, he says, this is what I'm going to do. He says, essentially, tonight I'm going to send an angel that's going to go throughout all the land of Egypt. And all of the firstborn male, and even including the, the, the firstborn of the livestock, will receive my judgment for the persecution that, that Egypt has brought onto my people, the, the Israelites, the Hebrews. But because I want you to remember this, and because I'm pointing to something that's going to be about 1,500 years down the road, this is what I want you to instruct all of Israel to do. God says to Moses, I want you to take a lamb. Make sure it's spotless. Make sure there's no defects, no broken legs, no blindness on it. But I want you to take this lamb, and I want you to sacrifice this lamb. And as an act of faith, I want you to take the blood that is shed through the sacrifice and I want you to paint the doorposts of your houses to serve as a covering, to serve as an act of faith. That although I don't understand maybe what this blood is going to do, I will be a person of faith and believe and follow God's word so that my family can experience protection. And that's exactly what happened. All of Israel sacrificed lambs that day and put the blood across the doorposts. And that night, when the death angel came across the land of Egypt, there was wailing everywhere. It says in the scriptures that not one house in all of Egypt had not been affected. Everybody experienced God's judgment. But in the land of Israel, in the, the area that the Hebrews were, were positioned, there was peace because of the sacrifice of the Lamb. God saw the blood, and the angel of death passed over. But why the lamb? 
as I alluded to just a few moments ago, because God knew that in 1,500 years or approximately 1,500 years later, there would be a reminder of the Passover. There would be a celebration of the deliverance of Israel out of the land of captivity. God knew, and as he looked into the future, that there would be a day when all of Israel was celebrating the, the Passover and sacrificing the, that livestock, those lambs. But that there would be a day when in the midst of that livestock and those lambs, that there would be another lamb, a spiritual lamb, that would be presented. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. On the day of Passover, that some 1,500 years later, Jesus Christ walks into Jerusalem and presents himself as the perfect spotless lamb and says, God, your will be done and allows himself to be sacrificed so that his blood could cover the doorposts of our lives and rescue us. You see, when Satan introduced sin and tempted Adam and Eve and caused that mirror that we looked at last week with Pastor Nicole and caused that mirror to be cracked and broken, God looked at that and said, I know there's no livestock that's going to ever be able to, to accomplish what needs to be done to repair those mirrors. But I do know one that can bring healing and fix every one of those broken mirrors throughout all of humanity. And that is my son, Jesus. The lamb represents Jesus. The lamb represents the sacrifice. The lamb, the son of God, is the one that can repair the broken mirrors in our lives. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, out of the New Living Translation, this is what is written. You see, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors, Adam and Eve. And the ransom that he paid was not mere gold or silver, but rather it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus was the Lamb that was sacrificed for all of humanity so that we could be released from the captivity of sin, from sin's death grip. Jesus was fixing the cracks in our mirrors, and Jesus was providing us with the way to have a hope and a future, a relationship with God. Church, as I was preparing this particular message, I recognized in my spirit that God was placing a challenge in front of us. Yes, we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis and see where, where Satan introduced sin and the temptation of that. We can see where Satan set us up to have cracked mirrors in our life, not able to fully reflect the image of God. But here's the pause. Here's the, the question the Holy Spirit was placing upon me. Do we allow Satan to continue to put cracks in our mirrors? Remember, the mirror 
is our life that reflects God's glory. You see, it would, be, it would have been a shame for after that 430 years for the Israelites to be released by God's favor out of the land of Egypt, but for them a week or two later to go back into Egypt and say, okay, Pharaoh, go ahead and chain us back to those bricks into that slavery. But do we do, and this is the question the Holy Spirit was pressing upon me, do we do exactly that in the year 2017? Do we get released from the bondage of sin? Do we get cleansed and have our mirrors fixed and then go back to the enemy or allow the enemy to use us in such a way that we get more cracks placed within us? God has released us through the blood of the Lamb. And he has given us an opportunity to move forward in relationship with him. But far too often, we like to sit we get the freedom, but we say, okay, I'm at this X, and I don't want to move beyond this X. I don't want to go over there to point B. I don't want to go over there. I'm just happy right here being free, and I'm just going to stay here and be free and not do anything. God has a hope and a future for us. In the same passage that talks about the lamb, there were instructions for the way the rest of the evening was to go, the night of Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, God instructs Moses, and he says this. He says, Moses, these are your instructions for eating the meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. Now, initially, you may say to yourself, that's kind of an off passage. And on the surface, I might agree with you. But take a look carefully at what is being said. The, the walking stick, the sandals, the eating the meal with a sense of urgency, those are all things that God is saying, hey, I'm going to give you freedom, but then I want you to move in your freedom. Oftentimes when I read that passage, I, I just blow by some of those details. But these details are extremely important for us. God has a movement in front of his church. And that movement is to see his church saved, redeemed, to be given that hope, to be given that future, and to move into the rest of the world to proclaim freedom. Amen. To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Yesterday and Friday my wife Julie and I and Elijah had the opportunity to be in the Harrisburg area for the A21 movement. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the A21 movement, that is a, it's something that has occurred in the last decade that is trying to bring a spotlight to the, to the human trafficking condition problem epidemic that we have all across the globe, but right here in the United States of America as well. As we were part of this A21 movement and trying to bring awareness at our state capitol, one of the things that pastorally that I was, had the opportunity to do was to interact with several of the organizations that were sponsoring the A21 movement for our, our region in the Harrisburg area. And one of the things that surfaced time after time again, which I believe is applicable to us today, 
was, yes, it's absolutely important that we bring these trafficked victims. And when I say trafficked victims, I'm talking about children, women, men that are essentially sold into slavery right here in this country. In church, we have got to wake up to the incredible problem and the desperate human need that is out there right now under our noses, especially in places like Erie, where we have Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Buffalo and major throughways, interstates that that can transport people quickly across state lines and get them lost. But one of the things that, that became evident was that we are desperate to get these people out of slavery. We are desperate to get them into a position where they can be free, where they can be removed out of harm's way, out of the pimps, out of the drug dealers, out of their situations. But we have got to do more. Because once you bring a person out of that, what do they do? How do they get re-indoctrinated, so to speak, back into society? If we just pull them out and we, we save them, and yes, it's absolutely important, are we doing them any favors if we don't walk with them the rest of the way or teach or invest in them or move them back into purpose? It's the same thing for us. So with the walking stick, with the sandals, with the meal eaten in haste, as God says to Moses, he says, listen up. Get these people in motion. They are going to bring the sacrifice. They are going to paint the door, the door frames of their homes with the blood of the sacrifice. But then they are going to move. And they are going to move in purpose. And they will experience my hope. They will experience my promise. They will experience a relationship with me. So as the Israelites move out of the land of Egypt, one of the things that we get introduced to is this concept of covenant. And that is our second picture for the day. This second snapshot, covenant. Many of us know it as the Ten Commandments. But essentially what I want you to think of today in the area of a covenant Coming from the Latin origin, it's a, a coming together, a joining of two parties, and in this case, God and mankind. If I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I can walk in a covenantal relationship with God, God the Father. But as soon as I said That word, or those two words, Ten Commandments, some of us kind of just bristled up, didn't we? You see, when I was a kid, my my grandmother, uh, it was rough in my house. i got to tell you this. It was absolutely rough in my house. Not only did I have my own mom and dad, and mom and dad, if you're here today, forgive me if you're listening, but I have my own mom and dad in the mix. I have my grandmother and grandfather living in the mix. And so what mom didn't see, grandma would see. Now, I'll never forget this one particular time. Now, I was probably nine years old, and I'm outside playing, and this crack of lightning comes down, and the thunder ensues, and I, I don't think I hit the ground. I was walking on air into the house, yeah, running. And my grandmother looks at me, and she said, this is no lie. She looks at me, and she says, Jimmy, 
what sin do you have in your life? <laughs> if you didn't have sin in your life, you wouldn't be afraid. <laughs> Oftentimes when we, we hear the words, the Ten Commandments, we, we bristle up because we, we've been conditioned to look at them in a fearful manner. God's got a list of do's and don'ts, and if you don't do this, and he's going to strike you dead. Come on now, right? I'm, I'm, I'm preaching all right, right? So he's going to do this. He's going to do that. And all of a sudden, we're afraid of God. But you know what? We've been conditioned to look at things like the Ten Commandments all wrong. You see, God has said, listen, I am a holy God, and I want to have a relationship with you. But if we're going to walk in relationship together, then we need to come to an understanding. Now, some of you are saying, man, you know, what's this black bag that he's stepping across all there? And so we're in the fall. In northwestern Pennsylvania. And so for, for all of you, you hunters out there, this is in honor of you right now. All right. I bet you never had anybody preach in a pheasant vest before, have you? So I had the privilege, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, a few weeks ago of spending eight hours or seven hours, something like that, in a classroom learning about hunter safety with Elijah. Now, the requirement in Pennsylvania, and I'm not grousing about this by any means. Oh, yeah, I'm in Northwestern. See, in Northeast PA, they'd be like, okay, yeah, all right. Now... I'm not complaining about this by any means. I mean, if we're going to put a gun in a kid's hand and we're going to let them walk out into the great unknown and shoot at anything that moves, we probably want to be giving them a little bit of instruction. And so that's what I had to sit through that day was a whole lot of instruction. Now, i got to be honest with you. It was probably the most boring class I have ever been in. And instructor, if you're in here, please forgive me. But the bottom line was, had I been given the opportunity to say, Elijah, we're just going to bypass this. We're just going to go down to the Walmart or the field and stream, and we're going to buy a license, and we're going to connect that way. And we're going to go out in the woods and figure stuff out on my own. I would not take that opportunity. Because contained within the instruction, contained within the manuals, there are guidelines designed to do what? To protect me. So when I walk out into the woods, as I did the other day, and all of a sudden I hear a gunshot that goes off about 20 yards down the way, I'm thinking, I am mighty glad that I've got my orange hat on. I am mighty glad that somebody can see me from the back. And you know what? The Ten Commandments operate very similar to that. God's commandments, his, his covenant that he brings us. You see, God wasn't about, okay, I want to release these people 
from captivity. I want to release these people from the, the cracks of sin, and I want to give them a freedom, and then I'm going to be cruel and crush it into them. That wasn't God's intent at all. But rather, God's intent was that I want to fully disclose who I am to them all across the time of humanity. And I want people to know who I am. I want people to see my character. I want people to to know that they can enter into a relationship with me. And if they enter into a relationship with me, I want people to know that there is blessing and that I have a plan and that I have a purpose and that I am God and I'm going to do great things for you. As I close, I want to encourage you this morning, and in just a minute, we're going to bring up the worship team. I want to encourage you, if you've not taken seriously the covenant of God, if you've not looked at his way of doing things for a while, can I ask you, Why don't you want his blessings, his protection, his purpose for your life? Can I encourage you to consider that? All across the Bible, God introduces, explains, and talks about a right relationship with him. Then he does this. I love this. One of my favorite passages, staff that's in the room has heard this for a couple of times now. In Joshua chapter 1, one of my favorite teachings in the scriptures on the benefit of following the covenant, God says, Joshua, in verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. I want to say that one more time. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Don't deviate from them. Turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in whatever you do. Some of you, you've come in here today and you've said, man, again, I just don't know what's happening in life. I don't even know who I am. I don't feel like I'm human anymore. Then can I challenge you? Open up the word of God. Because according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says the word of God is alive and active. And I stand on that promise. That when I take the time to come to God's word, his spirit will speak to me through that word. So so God says, Joshua, look at the law. Obey it. Don't deviate right or left from it. And then you'll be successful wherever you will go. And then I love this. Verse 8. Study this book continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And only then... Only then, only then, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. 
Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an incredible promise. What an incredible covenant. If I could have the worship team come to the front. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to participate in communion. Now you're like, man, we just had communion. It was the first of the month, like, last time. Today, we're going to have an opportunity to remember the great rescue mission that God did for us as he allowed Jesus Christ to be sacrificed on that cross. And today you're going to have an opportunity, maybe the blood on the doorposts has faded over time. But today you're going to have an opportunity within your heart to spiritually say, I need to repaint that doorpost. And as we repaint that doorpost, I'm believing that God will give you a sense of freedom today. Maybe today you need to say, you know what? I've got the, the doorpost painted and it's pretty bright red, but I've been staying put for a while. And it's time for me to take some steps and move forward. Do you know when Jesus came to the cross the night before he was to be sacrificed, he said, God, are you sure? Are you sure these are the steps that I'm to take? But not my will, but yours be done. I believe in this room. There are some people here right now who need to take some steps of boldness. Just as Jesus did that very next morning and presented himself as the Passover lamb for every one of us. We're going to sing this song and I'd like to invite the ushers to come down. The ushers come down for the elements. Once the the tray has passed you. If you want to raise your hands, you want to stand up, you feel free to do that. Maybe today is a day where Jesus says, or the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I need you to step out. You need to step out as an act of faith to use this altar. Then after that, that element has been received, the cup and the bread, why don't you step out and join me at the altar here? And let's say, God, use me mightily to advance the kingdom, to advance in the covenant that you have joined me to. Can we do that today, church? Ushers, would you distribute, please?
that you have in your hand right now represent the body of Jesus Christ which has been broken for you. The cup, his blood that's been shed for you. The lamb, the innocent lamb that went to the cross to say, Father, your will be done. Let me, let me fix all the cracks. So this morning, we take of the elements and we allow the blood of Jesus just to wash over us symbolically right now. Fixing every one of those cracks, every one of those holes in your life. And then, if you have come to the front, or maybe you're still in your seat right now, and you're saying, I need to take that step. As Jesus allowed that body to be broken for him, allow your life to be broken for him, and allow him to move him wherever he wants to move you. According to God's word, we're in alignment with that. We will be prosperous and successful wherever we go. So this is his body that's been broken for you and his blood that's been shed for you. And we thank you, Jesus, for the rescue in our souls. We thank you for the challenge to move forward. We thank you for the example that you set for us. And we partake of this gratefully. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Here's the final thing that we're doing. We're going to continue this song, and it has a great challenge at the end of it. For those of you that have stepped forward, I've asked a couple of the pastors here to help me. If you want an anointing, now listen, we're not going to, we're not going to stop and pause and pray over each and every person, but what we are going to do is we are going to take this oil, simply a symbol, and we're just going to anoint your forehead if you raise your hand, we'll be happy to do that. But it is a symbol that says, I want to be used. I want to be consecrated. I want to be moving forward for you, Almighty God. So if you're here when we sing this, simply raise that hand, and we'll come across, and we'll anoint you. But allow 
God to move in your life. Come into that covenantal relationship with him. that have said, I want to be used, Almighty God. I want to move forward in covenant relationship with you. We thank you for hearts that have been touched by you this morning. We thank you, Almighty God, for the spirit that you have just put on fire in people's lives this morning, for the door posts that have been repainted, Almighty God. We thank you. Now, Father, today, as we move out of this place, I pray that your spirit would instruct as Jeremiah called out, Lord God, we stand at the crossroads and we look and we ask, where is the ancient pathway, the pathway of blessings? And Father, we listen and we move into that. I pray for your incredible, incredible assurance on these lives today. Spirits of boldness. For those of you that have come forward, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why are those words there? Because taking steps of boldness 
can be scary sometimes. But be strong and courageous. Hold to the covenant. Hold into your relationship with God. Lock hands with him. Lock arms with him. Hug him. Don't let him go. Read his word. Today, as you leave, maybe you haven't been in the Bible in a long time, pick up the book of John. Just start there. Get plugged into a class on Wednesday nights. Get back into the swing of church. So God, we thank you. We are released right now under your mighty name. The mighty name of Jesus. The name above all names. The name of which demons in hell have to flee. We move forward as your servants in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Bless you, church. Go fight win. God be with you.